0: The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from SingleInTheCity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm your host, Laura Bellata. And tonight we're going to be talking about the joys and trials of having a baby. We're going to chat about the physical and emotional challenges new moms face after giving birth, including postpartum depression and how to overcome it. We're going to talk about how becoming new parents can affect your relationship with your partner, the challenges surrounding sex after having a baby when it's safe to exercise after giving birth, and so much more. And joining me tonight uh, is Joan Kelly Walker. You know her from The Real Housewives of Toronto, and she's on the show very, very often. And Joan, you also have something else on the horizon. Tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yes, very exciting. It's a, a new reality docuseries called The Social Movement, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a production company out of Miami, and they bring together teams of CEOs and investors and entrepreneurs, and they give them challenges so that they give us four days and they, um, you know, they throw extra a little, some curveballs in there too, but it's, uh, the purpose is to engineer a business solution to the world's most pressing social issues. And it's are in
1: spring 2021 on Amazon Prime. That is so exciting. I'm so happy. Yeah. You. yeah thank
2: you. I'm very excited about it.
1: <laughs> the hard work finally pays off, right? Again. It does. Yeah. It's a little bit of a too. I think. Yeah. And tonight, we're thrilled to welcome Nikki Bergen. She's a Pilates and pelvic health expert. She's a mom of two and the creator of the Bell Method and the Bump Method, Inc. She is an expert trainer uh, with a passion for helping women feel confident and strong throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. Welcome, welcome, welcome.
3: Thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
1: And Nikki is breastfeeding right now. I had to tell everybody that. I love it. (laughs) You know, this
3: is just, I said, ladies, you know, you might hear some noises. That's just real mom life right here coming at you.
1: Yeah. All right. (laughs) Now, now, ladies, I'm going to be asking most of the questions tonight, and you ladies are going to be answering uh, most of them, because I really, this is not my area of expertise. I've never had children. Heck, I've never even seen a child being born. Well, maybe on TV, but that's about it. (laughs) Okay. So here we go. Um, so, Nikki, what are the most common challenges uh, women may face after having a baby, like both physically and emotionally?
3: That's a big question. How much time do you have? <laughs> I, have
1: like, I don't know, 50 minutes.
3: You know, what? It, it, it really does depend on, on so many factors, depending on, you know, if you have a C-section that requires different types of healing, depends on, on how smooth your birth went. You know, if you have any concerns about, you know, pelvic organ prolapse or the damage to your pelvic floor can really vary tremendously. So, I mean, I I like to say that we need to really show ourselves some grace and try not to get hung up on, quote unquote, bouncing back. Because a lot of women, you know, they don't realize that your body just did something pretty huge. You know, you just grew a human and then you got, you know, you pushed out that human or you had that human surgically removed from your body. So either way, it's a big deal. And so there's a lot of things that can happen physically and hormonally as well. And then, of course, you have the baby, your body is healing, and now your job is to feed this child. And, you know, your job is not over. So, you know, we tend to think, oh, once the baby's here, no, in a way, your life gets even harder.
1: I've Mm -hmm. never understood, you know, when you see uh, the magazine covers and someone's just had a baby and it's like two weeks later and they've Mm -hmm. got this flat belly, What is that? Is that? Yeah, come on, (laughs) come on. Who's doing that?
2: (laughs) Skinny jeans on again at two weeks. I would say it's a very small percent of the population, and you probably—well, even a month. month, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess people recover differently, but it depends on how your birth went. All those curveballs that you don't expect after the birth, like Mm -hmm. uh, breastfeeding. (laughs) For me, it was like I got off on the wrong foot. And all of a sudden, that was like the whole focus, like how do I do this? I'm already cracked and bleeding. How do I get a latch? It was, you know, there's, there's extra challenges and things. Sometimes you don't know to expect that. Like I thought breastfeeding has to be the easiest, most normal thing ever. But you know what? It wasn't. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges. That you really don't know what to
3: expect.
1: Mm-hmm. And what yeah. is what is diastasis recti? And, yeah. And, yeah, oh, what is that? That's a great
3: question. So diastasis, di- tomato, tomato, essentially what it means is it's the thinning of the connective tissue in the middle of your six-pack. So picture a six-pack muscle, like a Nice. Think of the middle vertical line and down the center of that six-pack muscle. That's something called your linea alba. And when you're pregnant, that Piece of connective tissue has to thin and widen and essentially stretch to accommodate the growing baby. So, diastasis is like Latin, it just means separation of the rectus muscle, recti. So, it's the separation, so to speak, of the middle of your six pack muscle. And it's a good functional thing because our bodies need to accommodate and make room for a baby. It can become problematic, however, if there's too much. So, for instance, women who have had twins or triplets are going to get a much wider, larger diastasis recti than someone who's just had a singleton baby. And women who are shorter torso tend to have more diastasis than longer torsoed women because they have to kind of go out farther versus there's less vertical room for the baby. So there's a lot of factors, genetics, also the exercises that you do during pregnancy can lead you to develop more or less diastasis and it's an issue postpartum because it can actually impede the function of your core. So it's not just an aesthetic issue where you're left with like the mummy tummy as people like to say, but it's also something that can, you know, cause back pain because your core can't function properly.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we're going you know, to Nobody
2: about- told me any of this.
1: That's the first time I've heard
2: of this word. So, really?
1: Oh, yeah, man. Well, you got to. We need to take also? a break. We need to <laughs> take a break. Let, yeah. Uh, remember that thought. We're going to talk about exercises that women can do to prepare them for birth and after birth when we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata. From singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back
1: tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show. We're talking all about the joys and trials of having a baby uh, and everything to do with that. Joining me tonight is Joan Kelly Walker. You know her from The Real Housewives of Toronto. Also, Nikki Burjohn, She's a Pilates and pelvic health expert. And she's joining us tonight on the show. Um so let's talk about some of the exercises that women can do to prepare them for birth. So well you talk about pilates, Nikki, I know you do uh, teach pilates. You say it's a really it's really good for the body especially during pregnancy and after giving birth. Why is that?
3: So not all pilates is the same. I think what we want to really emphasize is that You know, we're trying to work on reducing something called intra abdominal pressure. So picture it like this your baby represents like a growing watermelon. Remember, so it feels like a piece of fruit. You're like, you're 25 weeks pregnant. Your baby's the size of papaya. By the time you're t- you're ready to give birth, your baby's like the size of a watermelon. Okay, So mm-hmm. by the end of your pregnancy, you've got a lot of pressure. There's like a watermelon in there. And that pressure can really do a number on your abdominal wall and on your pelvic floor. So what we want to do is choose exercises during pregnancy that's going to reduce the degree of pressure that's going on in your body to reduce Issues like peeing your pants or pelvic organ prolapse or, we talked about earlier, diastasis recti, a.k.a. ab separation. So you want to choose the right exercises. And Pilates offers some great options on ways to reduce that pressure. And then postpartum, same thing. To get your, quote-unquote, your body back or to really work on strengthening your core, we want to choose exercises that are going to help you reconnect and, again, reduce that pressure. So, why do some doctors not talk about this? That's a great question, and it's one that I have wondered for many, many years. I think yeah. it's starting to change. I've got a good friend of mine. She's a urogynecologist in Oakville, Ontario, and she and I connected because she sees the aftermath. She sees a lot of women in their 40s and 50s and beyond who were never told this and, you know, started having sneeze leaks or, you know, they'd pee their pants when they jump and run and whatnot. And it doesn't get any better. Ladies, if you're not addressing it and you're not getting physiotherapy, it typically just gets worse as we get older. And especially once we hit menopause, it gets even worse because our collagen levels change, our elastin levels, hormones are all over the place. I hate that. Yeah, she's the one doing, like, bladder lift surgeries. But And so she's like, I love that you are trying to inform women. Everything from, you know, what they do during pregnancy can make a difference to how they advocate for themselves during birth and, you know, trying to reduce, you don't want to really be pushing for three hours because that's not good for your inner pelvic organs. You know, ways that you can have a better birth experience and a, a better postpartum recovery and not just jump back to your beach body boot camp garbage. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and, to, and to measuring your belly, like all that is yeah. important. But this should all be part of your your birth plan, like your pregnancy and your birth plan and your postnatal plan. But honestly, like I, when I was giving birth, mind you, as you mentioned, things probably have changed and updated a lot, but really, nobody was talking about this. People were yeah. like, "Oh, you're still exercising because I was a runner, and I was running for the first part of my first pregnancy, and it was so taboo that I actually stopped so oh, really, you know, but no one offered an alternative like here's you know here's some other exercises here's how to strengthen your pelvic floor here's you know, any, anything, like, really. I, that's why I think this is so, it, it's such a timely,
3: important conversation. Thanks for doing the work that you do. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's sad. I wish, you know, I would say if I only had, like, a dollar for every time someone says, well, why didn't someone tell me, or I wish I had known, mm-hmm. I'd be very rich.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Nikki, are there certain exercises that women can do to better prepare them for birth, like, to make birth easier on their body?
3: A hundred percent. And that's actually what I teach, not to plug my programs, but it's exactly what I teach. Of
1: course, plug your programs. It's okay. <laughs> You're here for. Yeah. What are I mean, these exercises.
3: we do something called hug the baby and, you know, I have a lot of it on, you know, my website and Instagram feed and it can freak people out to be honest, because I'll give you an example. You're like on your hands and knees and you take an inhale and, you know, you look seven months pregnant and then on your exhale, You're wrapping your core and all of a sudden it looks like the baby's being hugged up inside and you don't look seven months pregnant. Now you look four months pregnant. And people are like, oh my God, where'd the baby go? Like stuff like that where you're really strengthening your core. That's how you do core work and ab work in pregnancy. And that's how you reduce that pressure that I was talking about. And those muscles also are necessary for when you're pushing. Hmm. That's probably a good exercise postnatal. Totally. It is.
2: Yeah, I'm going to try
1: that. And uh, when is it safe, really, to start exercising after having a baby? I mean, is there a set period of time that you should wait?
3: It depends on what you are doing for exercise. So, for example, if you wanted to get back to running, the research out of the U.K. that just came out last year, it really says between three to six months you should wait before going back to something high impact like running. But we and what I teach is, is that there are things that you can literally do the same week you deliver in terms of working on your breathing mechanics and mobilizing your ribcage and gentle stretches, gentle activations of your pelvic floor. These are things that you can and ideally should do in the very early days and weeks postpartum that will in the long run help you get back to the more intense exercises that you like.
1: And how about, like, when you first realize that you're pregnant? I mean, exercise is safe, um, but up to, like, when, your third trimester, like, can you exercise up to the day that you give birth? Like, what? what's...
3: Yeah, if you're feeling up to it,
1: that?
3: you can absolutely... We've had women do our classes and then go into labor right after.
1: But I think the key is to be somewhat fit, right? You don't want to start exercising when you're eight months pregnant.
3: I wouldn't recommend it, No. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think so.
2: <laughs> or vice versa. Some people are, are you know, avid exercisers,
3: and then as soon as they get pregnant, then they stop. You don't want to
2: do that. So. No,
3: no. And I mean, it depends too. Like if you're, if you're really quite nauseous, then you're not going to have the energy to exercise. So there's variables as well, right?
1: And and, and Joan, I could, you were probably fit from day one. And you continued, and you probably gained what ten pounds when you were pregnant? I well,
2: the first time, yeah, <laughs> like you know, I didn't, I, I didn't want to just suddenly start eating pancakes for breakfast every day because I don't do that. So I just <laughs> tried to stick to, you know, what is what is safe, you know, whatever guidelines that they gave me. And I didn't have a ton of weight to lose afterwards. But you know, my first birth was uh, difficult. It was a big baby. It was kind of stuck, and you know, I ended up. I'd didn't want an epidural but I ended up having one and I found just all of those chemicals and everything in your body that was really hard because it makes you swell up and you retain a lot of fluid and I just felt off but then the second time I gave birth I didn't have time even for an epidural and it was just so much easier so I think every experience has its you know the the ups and downs and uh you just have to kind of be ready to You know, you have to have a plan, but you have to have like Plan B as well.
1: We need to take a break, ladies, but we'll continue this conversation with some great exercises that women can do to prepare them for birth of their child and post-birth as well. We'll be right
0: now back to the dating and relationship show with Laura Bilotta from SingleInThisCity.ca on Global News Radio six forty Toronto.
1: It's Sunday night. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Balada, in studio with Joan Kelly Walker.
2: Hello.
1: And joining us tonight is Nikki Verjon. She's a Pilates and Public Health expert. She's a mom of two and the creator of the Bell Method and the Bump Method, Inc. And tonight we're talking everything to do with um, having a baby and the, the physical and emotional challenges that new moms face after giving birth, and so much more. So let's continue our conversation. We were talking about some great exercises that we can do to prepare for birth and post-birth. How about uh, women that suffer from bladder control after birth? Now, there are women that suffer from bladder control uh, even when they didn't give birth. I mean, when you're going into perimenopause, it becomes a problem. So. Are there exercises that can help with bladder control as well?
3: Absolutely. Um, You know, there are a lot of exercises that, you know, and I want to just say it's not just about doing your Kegels. So, you know, you can actually have incontinence um, because of your pelvic floor being too weak. But you can also have it if your pelvic floor is too tight. And that surprises a lot of people. And a lot of people go, well, "Are you kidding me? Like I've just been doing Kegels. I sneeze, and I thought, and they can actually be making the problem worse. So I oh, always say." America. For. That's yeah. So I actually tell women, if you're having this this issue, first of all, don't be ashamed. It's so very common, um, but you don't have to live with it. So go and see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. There are so many great ones in the Ontario area. There's even ways you can search for pelvic floor physio by city or by town. And these are these are really, truly incredibly gifted physiotherapists who have additional training, and they actually give you internal exams and can tell you if you're doing your Kegels right.
1: Isn't it just a matter of clenching really hard? No, no. it's not. <laughs> oh, sucks. I've, I've been doing it wrong.
3: <laughs> it's like any muscle, right? So, like, if I... You know, for example, I'll give you the bicep analogy. So, you know, when you do a bicep curl gym, you want to be able to straighten your arm all the way, and then you want to be able to curl and bend your elbow all the way and then re it. That's like a proper bicep curl. A yeah. lot of women are walking around with their elbow permanently kind of half bent. So that means your pelvic floor is kind of permanently a little bit tight because guess what? Stress causes us to involuntarily clinch our pelvic floor muscles. So like, I think a lot of us can, you know, we all have a lot of stress in our lives, especially these days with what's going on and global pandemics and whatnot. So we, we tend to hold stress in our pelvic floor. And if you have any type of emotional stress, it could be work stress, it could be a previous history of trauma, you can have residual tension in your pelvic floor. And then you think, oh, I've got to do my Kegels, and then you're making something that's tight even tighter. That's like your elbow is bent and then you're just doing that bicep curl and you're not ever learning how to straighten your arm all the way or lengthen the muscle all the way. Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so ready? let's talk about uh, hormones now. So we know that women's hormones change during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. How might this impact a uh, woman's physical and mental health?
3: In a lot of ways, let me tell you, but you know, one thing that a lot of people don't really realize is that your libido can like go through the floor when you are postpartum for so many reasons, your hormones, you know, when you're breastfeeding prolactin is, it, is it one of the main hormones of breastfeeding that can often suppress ovulation and it's definitely going to reduce your libido for most women. Um, and so it's it's actually quite normal that you would not be interested in being intimate with your partner. That's for sure. And aren't don't some women use breastfeeding as a form of birth control? I mean, some women do. They, the, your obstetrician and your family doctor will tell you that it's certainly not tried and true. Yeah. Um, oh, please,
1: wait, wait, please, please, please. What what do you mean by that? Because I've never heard that there, before. If you're breastfeeding,
3: it it. Uh, Some women, I I don't know, they claim that they don't get pregnant while they're breastfeeding. Well, Um, you're not ovulating a lot of the time, so there's ovulation suppression. So, like, a lot of women don't get their periods back until after they stop breastfeeding.
1: Okay. So, if you don't want to have another baby too quickly, then just keep breastfeeding.
3: Now, not all women, like there's plenty of women who are still breastfeeding and they get back to a normal cycle pretty quickly. This is why you hear stories of women having, you know, getting pregnant three months after they've had a a delivery. Right. But for some women, it varies. So you can't just say, you know, don't get pregnant, just breastfeed. Like that's certainly not enough. But for Uh, for some women, it can act as a as a sort of natural form of birth control, but not all women.
1: And what's a, what's a normal time frame to be breastfeeding?
3: Oh, God, whatever you can do that works for you, right? Like, they, the yeah. guideline, they recommend six months, but, you know, it's. I had a hard time with my first as well, and, you know, it's it's not as easy as a lot of women think it yeah. will be. And you know what?
2: Not to talk about my nipples too much, but honestly, the <laughs> cracking and the bleeding, like, you feel like it's on fire or there's razor blades or something every time they try to latch, and my doctor actually told me, like, you know, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you should just move on. And I was just determined, and I suffered through it, and I'd be, like, wincing in pain every single time. But I just, I stuck it through because I was determined to do that. But I think it, it is really hard if you don't get good consulting right off the bat. And I'm not blaming the nurse that came in, but he wasn't latched properly, and then she left the room, and I'm like, okay, I guess this is what we do. And it was already kind of too late so i think like that's something you have like i didn't know that i didn't know it so I, it's one of those things you have to really do your research like what else can possibly happen here because you know you don't want your husband coming near that no talk about relationships and and you know after having a baby it's definitely impacting your your physical and your mental health because you're like you know you want to you want to nurse but you're, like, kind of nervous to do it.
1: Well, what about these these parents that are mothers that breastfeed their children up to the age of, like, three and stuff? Is that really wrong?
2: <laughs> I, think that mm-hmm. I think that's personal... Privacy? I think it's a very personal thing, and I know a lot of people that have done it even longer than that, like, not a lot, but some. Um, I think it depends on your lifestyle. If you're working, if you're not, is it just a comfort thing to help the kid go to bed or... Um, I think there's a lot of factors there too. And I, you know, I just, I, I reserve judgment about that because, you know, I did what I did and other people can do what they do. Other people think it's weird if people people breastfeed past a certain age.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. Can I ask ask for it? I don't know. Is that wrong? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I think I agree. There's a lot of already, there's a lot of judgment and mom shaming in, in the mom world. So you know if that's if that works for them and their family i mean you're not you're not going to hear me condemn it that's for sure, right like if that works for them, then have at it right
2: and you know the one thing that i I do find is getting better is that it's more acceptable to breastfeed in public places like you can go to the mall and sit on the bench and you know just put a little blanket over or something I think. People are less nervous to do that, and I think it is honestly the most natural, important thing. So, you know, why shouldn't you be able to sit down when your baby's hungry, wherever you are, and feed it?
3: Agreed, 100%. In Europe, they're so much more progressive, I find. Yeah. You know, they don't even bother covering up. <laughs>
1: but they always are in Europe. Yeah. You know, it starts in Europe, then it goes to the States, and then it comes here. That's what I found, anyway, <laughs> when it comes to trends never starts here. Oh, We need to take a break, ladies. When we come back, uh, we're going to touch on postpartum depression and how to overcome it. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, we're talking about the physical and emotional challenges that new moms face after giving birth, uh, including postpartum depression, which we're going to discuss right now. Joining me tonight is Joan Kelly Walker. You know her from The Real Housewives of Toronto, and Nikki Burden. She's a Pilates and pelvic health expert. She's also a mom of two, and she's the creator of the Bow Method and the Bump Method, Inc. She's also an expert trainer with a passion for helping women feel confident and strong throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. Okay, ladies, so Mm -hmm. um, postpartum depression, they say, affects one in seven women. And it can have an adverse effect on the well-being of both the mom and the child. But they say that one in five women keep quiet about their symptoms and therefore remain untreated. What exactly is postpartum depression and and what does it look like? Nikki, we'll start with you.
3: Sure. Um, I mean, it is something that, as you mentioned, is very common. And unfortunately, a lot of women feel shame, like somehow it's their fault. And it can be from so many things. And a lot of the risk factors might be previous, you know, history of mental health challenges, or a lack of support at home. These are all things that can increase the probability that a woman would suffer from either postpartum depression or anxiety. Um, and, And it looks a lot like, you know, there's different grading scales. So what I would recommend if anyone's listening to this would be to you know, first and foremost, don't have any shame or guilt about it. It's not your fault. And secondly, don't be afraid to ask for help. And I think it's important that women know that they're not alone and that this isn't anything to be afraid, ashamed of or afraid of. They can ask for help. They can go to their family doctor, get a referral, um, and, and get a counselor, get someone to help them through it.
1: But how would you know whether you're suffering from postpartum depression? Do you just feel down? Are- not yeah, bonds. I mean, baby. Are, like, what are some signs?
3: I mean, there are signs from you know, you can have the baby blues, which is very common. Especially, I think the, I think it's the five days after you give birth, you have the biggest drop in hormones. Three to five days after, and a lot of women can feel really weepy at that mm-hmm. time, and, and you know, they don't understand. Like commercials are like, what's going on? Like, I'm not, I don't feel myself. That's usually because you're getting such a huge drop in hormone levels because, you are you know, your milk is coming and there's a lot going on. Um, and that can often subside. So the baby blues are one thing. Postpartum depression, however, is something that lasts much longer where it's like you don't want to get out of bed, you don't want to care for you or your baby, you're not interested in your baby, um, and it can even become, you know, really intense where you're having, you know, bad intrusive thoughts about harming yourself or your baby and that can become more of like a postpartum psychosis situation. Um, and so it sounds really crazy and there's still unfortunately a bit of stigma about it in our society and there shouldn't be. Um, I really I think it's just a question that women really do need more postpartum support and, and I actually have a few friends who've suffered from this and they, they saw um, a psychiatrist and they were on meds and they ended up you know, getting the help that they needed and everyone's okay. So those are just some signs that you might...
1: Were, they, were they able mm-hmm. to get off the meds? I think that's an important question to ask. Because sure. My concern is whenever doctors want to put me on meds because I mm-hmm. might be going through anxiety or something or mm-hmm. once in my lifetime and they you know they wanted to put me on these meds, and but he, the doctor's like, well... I'll put them on. I'll put you on them for a month, but then I, you know, I read the label, and basically they don't start working Mm -hmm. after a month. (laughs) So I'm like, so then you're going to take me off after they start working? I I don't. I don't want to start on anything that I'm going to have a difficult time getting off of. So I chose not to take them. But were your friends able to get off them eventually?
3: You know, some of them were, some of them no. So it it really does vary. It's it's. I mean so dependent on each individual situation um but the point is, is that, there is help.
2: that it's, it's uh like your family and your spouse and your support group like your your friends can kind of keep an eye like you know i i think it's our all of our responsibility like it takes a village right so here's a woman that's given birth you don't know what to expect I think it's the right thing to do is to ask some questions. If someone really doesn't seem like themselves or, you know, they seem depressed, then that's where you need to step in. I would agree.
1: Now, if you're going through postpartum depression, how can you explain what you're going through to your partner? Uh, How can you properly communicate your needs during this time?
3: That's a great question because a lot of women, one of the hallmarks of postpartum depression is that, you don't actively typically seek help or you're, you might not feel capable of explaining or trying to communicate how you're feeling. So it might be a question of going to your doctor before anything else and saying, this is how I'm feeling. And then getting maybe some help. Maybe your doctor can help explain what's actually happening medically to your partner. But just to say, I don't feel myself I, I feel like something is wrong. I need I want to go and I'm going to go book myself an appointment. Just that alone would be a really powerful step.
1: And he mm-hmm. should come with you.
3: I mean, yeah, that probably would be a good thing, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Or drag him. You're coming. It's all about communication. <laughs> Pardon, Joan?
2: It's all about communication. Like, you you have to communicate your feelings, although it's really hard. So you're it puts a little bit of pressure on yourself to really listen really carefully and make the time to go to that appointment Mm -hmm. or read up on it like you know do your own research
1: we need to uh, take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about easing back into sex after childbirth
0: Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Hey guys, you're listening to Global News Radio 640 Toronto and this is the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm your host, Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca and joining me tonight is the lovely Joan Kelly Walker. Thank you. From the Real Housewives of Toronto. And Nikki Virgin, she is a Pilates and pelvic health expert. She's the creator of the Bell Method and the Bump Method Incorporated. And she is in studio with us tonight because we are talking all about um, the physical and emotional challenges that new moms face after giving birth. Mm -hmm. I now want to talk about... Well, hey, wait. We have one more question when it comes to postpartum depression that I had that I didn't get to ask before the break. Is it really normal uh, for some women to feel some sort of resentment towards their husband <laughs> in the early stages after giving birth?
3: I love that you're asking me this because for people who don't know, I just had my second baby 10 weeks ago.
1: Uh
3: (laughs) And I'm sitting here breastfeeding and I'm like, is it normal to have? How about we say it's very common and you're very normal if you're kind of like, oh my God, he's useless because you're doing so much. You're constantly, you've got a, a baby that you're oftentimes feeding. Oh, here we go. He's waking up. Um, You know, and so it's, I think resentment is a very common emotion and it's often a sign that, you know, you've got to work a little bit more on that communication and it's a sign that you're not getting your needs met, you know? So it's, it's okay to say, listen, I need you to do bath time tonight, or I need you to take up, you know, and, and do this for me because I just need to go and lock the bathroom door and have a shower and just give me, you know, (laughs)
1: just give me some imagine those women that have to do it all on their own
3: yeah that's hard that's very very hard yeah
1: um Joan how was it for you
3: Well, I think you have
2: to sort of manage expectations and have that conversation before the baby's born, keeping in mind that things will probably be changing quite a lot. Uh, My husband traveled a lot at the time, and um, I think he had injured his shoulder. So like a lot of heavy lifting didn't, didn't work for him. Yeah, so in my situation, my husband worked a lot. So he was, you know, he was there and he was trying to do what he could, but it is kind of limited. Like, you know, I was the one getting up in the night. He was the one that had to get up and he had to have a good sleep so he could go to work. So, you know, I think you have to have that conversation before the baby's born, but then be ready for it all to be turned upside down and and thrown away. So um, our solution was to get a nanny to come in so that I could go and have a shower and lock the door and, you know, kind of get myself together a little bit and have my break that way. Other people have like their mom come in or their sister. So, you know, you just have to have a plan of of how to make it work, I think. Yeah.
1: And I guess people might not have that help though, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And afford that sort of help. I can yeah, see it being true. very tough and waking up grumpy when you feel like you're exhausted and here you are feeding this baby and doing everything for the baby and then cleaning up and doing all the laundry. And now I, I guess <laughs> the laundry just mounts, right, when you have yeah, babies? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, some mm-hmm. you sleep all night and some don't. So you just have to sort of do what you can, I think.
1: You're like That's a walking can do. zombie. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about easing back into sex after childbirth, that we know that having a baby can definitely affect your libido. They say that more than 80% of women report pain associated with intercourse after birth. How can you reduce the pain? Is there a way to do that and, and ease back into sex?
3: Yeah, I actually did a really uh, an interview with a pelvic floor physiotherapist exactly on this topic. And it's sort of one of the points that she shared with us was that you don't necessarily just need to go, you know, for for those of you who don't know, usually around six weeks postpartum, you go, you see your doctor or your obstetrician, your midwife, and you get, quote, cleared. And part of that conversation is, okay, yeah, everything looks okay. You're ready to go back and have sex. And you're basically just sent on your merry little way. And sometimes women can feel like now all this this pressure to be like, well, I wasn't able to now, but now they say that I can. And sometimes partners can put on that pressure as well. And so I would say to anybody, you know, you have to make sure that you feel emotionally and physically ready. And just because you got cleared by the doctor doesn't mean that, you know, you are actually ready. And so don't let anyone make you feel like you have to do something you're not ready to do. But in order to reduce pain, um, sometimes there can be scar tissue. Like if you've had tearing, if you've had stitches, you know, you can have some scar tissue down there that needs to be worked out and you can do that um, by seeing a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And there's also like devices like wands and it sounds crazy. It looks look like these scary, you know, crystal like dildo looking things, but basically you can use them to massage areas of your pelvic floor to help desensitize things and allow you to enjoy sex again because you know like anytime you have a scar there can be tension there can be like scar tissue and that can really cause pain during sex and we want to do what we can to reduce that scar
1: tissue the show is going by so quickly so much great information but we need to take a break we're going to come back and talk about easing back into ch- sex after childbirth we're going to continue that conversation
0: we'll be back You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. We are talking or continuing our conversation on easing back into sex after childbirth with Nikki Bergeron. She's a Pilates and pelvic health expert, as well as Joe Kelly Walker is in studio. So, what would you uh, or what advice would you give to women who are experiencing anxiety surrounding sex after having a baby?
3: Mm, that's a big one. Um, I think it's more common than we think. Um, so definitely communicating with your partner and and you know, hopefully they're understanding and they're not putting any pressure on you. Um, and it might even be necessary to talk to a counselor, especially if you had any history of trauma with your birth, um if you're still processing how everything okay. happened. A lot of women who've had, you know, emergency interventions can feel a little ambivalent about about sex and they may feel like a bit like their body betrayed them. And that can play into how you feel about yourself and and certainly your libido as well. So, basically, communicate with your partner and seek help if necessary.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is another one of those situations where you really don't know what to expect. Like, you always think, like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. I I can leave the baby and we'll go on a romantic weekend or whatever. But, but you know, once you've had the baby, you're, like, so consumed. At least I was. I was, like, I don't want to go anywhere I don't want to get out of my pajamas. I just want to focus and just care for this little being. And this is where your partner has to just be so understanding and so supportive. And, you know, communication is everything. And the more you can just talk about your feelings, the better. And, you know, you do get through it and you see what other, you know, like if if you have other friends or just conversation with other women, I think really helps a lot, too.
1: Oh, totally.
3: You need your girlfriends.
1: (laughs) Yes. And some of the anxiety, too, surrounding sex might come from not liking the way you look right after you give birth. So what advice would you give to women who might be struggling to make peace with the way that their body looks after giving birth?
3: I like the analogy of a marathon runner. You know, we tend to think of, of birth as not the athletic event that it was, but make no mistake, it's like you've just ran a massive 10-month marathon. You grew a baby, and let's face it, pregnancy is like 10 months. (laughs) You know, 40 weeks is not nine months. So it's longer than we think. So it's a long, you know, big event that you just did, and you need to show yourself some grace as you heal and as you recover. So, you know, an Olympic athlete, after they do a big event, doesn't get down on themselves because all of a sudden they're feeling really tired after that event. They're like, no, I just did this huge thing. I'm going to let myself heal and recover. And so I think really we just need to show ourselves a little bit more grace and trust that, you know, we will get stronger again. We will rebuild. We will, you know, our body shape will continue to evolve. Um, But, you know, to really be proud of what our bodies have done.
2: Yeah. I think every stretch mark, every little change is a badge of honor, as far as I'm concerned. It's, It's like a feather in your cap, like, wow, I did this. And... You know, I I look at it that way because I think that's way more positive than me falling into comparing myself with what I used to be or comparing myself to other women or all of a sudden feeling like I'm, I'm not focusing on myself the way that I used to because it's changed. Everything is new. So I think it's really important just to, you know, find that acceptance, however it is. And that, again, is where your girlfriends come in, where, you know, get your your support group to rally around you and just really share with them how you're feeling. Like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling, like, I know, like you feel really top-heavy when you're breastfeeding and you feel like nothing is fitting up there. Yeah, people
1: love that.
2: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> true.
1: They, like, love it. Our husbands really love that. Our husbands love that, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. They were
1: like, hey, can I try some of that milk? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, quickly, because we don't have much time. What conversation should a couple have before the birth of their baby? Are there things that they should discuss or learn about beforehand together?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I would agree that, I mean, first and foremost, we talk about communication again, just to kind of say, like, what's what's it going to look like? Are you able to take time off work? Who's going to be the main child? you know, provider, the caregiver, how are we doing with our finances? Like these are all important things to what are, what are your values on what's important to you? These are kind of like before you get married, it's similar. Like you're, you're having, this is like a next, the next step in your relationship. So having a conversation about all of those things, I think is a really important thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's not, just, it's not just for babies. It's as they get older, too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if the child goes to bed at 7 o'clock, chances are they're going to be up at, you know, 6 in the morning. So who's the one getting up with them?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, what does that look like? So um,
1: taking turns.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Equality. Is that what <laughs> always. We're, aiming for? we're always <laughs> aiming for equality. <laughs> well, That's it for our show today, ladies. Thank you so much, Nikki, for joining us. Thank you, Joan. Nikki, where can people find you?
3: They can find me at thebellmethod.com, spelled B E L L E, on the website or on Instagram at thebellmethod. And Joan? I'm at joankellywalker.com or on Instagram at joankellywalkerofficial.
1: And I'm official Laura Balot on Instagram. You can also follow the Dating and Relationship Show on Instagram or at Single in the City Dating. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in each and every week. Love you all. Thank you. Ciao for now.